Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, a reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Sunday, November the 5th, 2023. It is the 35th or 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. And our reading today is from the gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you. But do not follow their example, for they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation, Rabbi. As for you, do not be called Rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father, you have but one father in heaven. Do not be called Master, you have but one Master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted." And so we have another one of these readings, very similar to the one we had yesterday, although that was from Luke, in which Jesus is preaching against spiritual pride. He's specifically pointing out the Pharisees, and I tell you, he must be very concerned with this when you consider that he is so merciful towards everyone else. He's so easygoing with the most hardened of sinners, and he welcomes them with great love. But when it comes to the Pharisees, those who should know better, the religious leaders, Jesus blasts them. So he says, do what they say. In other words, I have not come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it. The law is still good. Follow the law. Even for us now as Christians, okay, we don't follow all the little rules about how to eat our food and things like that, ritualistic purity, but we still follow the law when it has to do with morals. That's still God's law, the Ten Commandments. So do what they say, but don't do what they do. They are guilty of spiritual pride. When Jesus said they widened their phylacteries. I always wonder, the people that translate these things, why do they translate certain things so thoroughly? Uh, Thorough is not the right word. They They just translate them so extremely that they lose all meaning. But then with other things, they keep the old words. How many of you out there know what a phylactery is? When when I first read this years ago, I thought it was something obscene. I I don't know. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, I think it has something to do with their uh, their garb. And, And I think of like a priest stole. You know, it's a symbol of his authority. When the stole is on one shoulder, it's a deacon. There is some authority. When a priest wears it completely around his neck, it falls on both sides. Okay, that indicates he's a priest, possibly even a bishop. The bishop would have a cross in between, and it symbolizes his authority. So I'm I'm likening it to that, that they want people to know their authority. They want people to know, I'm over you. I have power over you. They love places of honor. At banquets, at synagogues, they like salutations. Hail, Rabbi. Jesus says, even call no one on earth your father. 
Now we do that a lot. <laughs> does that mean we're disobeying Jesus? Or does that mean he's saying, I mean, obviously we have fathers and sons, we have mothers and daughters, etc., grandparents. So we don't deny that there are biological fathers and mothers. In fact, Pope John Paul in his Theology of the Body talks so much about spiritual motherhood and spiritual fatherhood and how important that is, both from our biological parents to our biological children and uh, for everybody else in the world too. Being male or female has so much meaning, and this is one of them, that I am potentially a father to uh, the world, to the people around me that might need my fatherhood. And if you are female, you are a potential mother. You are a mother in, in essence. It's, it's deeply rooted in you. And it's for your biological children, but also anybody else that needs you to mother them in some way. It doesn't mean we force ourselves on people. Sometimes people love to do that. They, I love, <laughs> I get mothered by the church ladies when, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily need it or want it at times. Uh, anyway, um, but Jesus, this is a common theme for him as well as Our Lady in her Magnificat. Those exalted will be humbled. Those humbled will be exalted, especially those who do so themselves. I was having a conversation with someone recently, someone very intelligent who does great work in the church. And this woman, we were just talking about, there's just so many people in church leadership nowadays, whether we're talking about bishops, priests, deacons, religious sisters, lay people, we're talking about everybody. And she, and this woman also has a uh, psychological background uh, a lot of work in the church, though, and a lot of knowledge of theology. And she started to speak to me about how we have a crisis in the church today of addiction to power. And I, the words that she said, the way she put them together, it blew me away because it's like, wow. On the one hand, the word addiction takes away some culpability to the sin, which is nice, you know, to give people a little slack. But at the same time, wow. There is an addiction to power, meaning like there's a powerlessness. And I just, the work that I've done in parishes, I I get so fired up about it. I, I resonate with Jesus. This is like the one area where he gets fired up. Now, just to speak about where Jesus is coming from, and I've said this in the past, you know, he sees these Pharisees and he knows ultimately they're going to put him to death. And I would bet any amount of money that when he sees the way the Pharisees are, it makes him think of Satan, formerly Lucifer, the one closest to God in heaven, the greatest of all religious leaders, and then becoming prideful, gave away his position. Now, these Pharisees are still in their positions, which makes it even worse. But anyway, it's a spiritual pride. It's a pride that says, I'm better than you because I'm closer to God. And you know what? Because I'm so great, look at how holy I am. I'm going to go do my own thing now. I'm going to break the rules. And these Pharisees are breaking the rules. And they don't even realize it. They're blinded by their authority. I'm thinking that song in the 80s. Blinded me with science. Anyway, they're blinded with their power. So getting back to this conversation I was having, addicted to power. Let's just think about this just for a moment without dwelling too much about religious leadership because we don't want to cause scandal, but at the same time, it has to be talked about. How many times in a parish 
you have parish quote-unquote leaders, staff members, parish council members, finance council members, Knights of Columbus, Altar and Rosary Society, Legion of Mary, whatever, whatever you have in that parish, liturgy committee. And they're so hung up on their own authority and position and their own quote-unquote opinions, even though very often they've never read a theology book. But they want to have control over the way the parish is run. And then maybe you have a pastor who's out of touch with the people. Maybe you have an assistant who's out of touch with the people. Maybe you have deacons that haven't really studied enough. Maybe you have a bishop who's so out of touch with what's going on at the parish level that he is simply insisting from his lofty tower, this is what you will do. You must obey me. And as a result... And this is how, like, if we were just talking about business in the world, you know, and this blows me away sometimes, if we were talking about worldly businesses and we saw things continue to fail, shut down, and shrink, and I think especially, I mentioned this yesterday, but I think especially the way COVID was handled, it didn't bring more people to church. It, like, literally cut our numbers in half, and there's no remorse. But if this were the business world and we were to see things declining, we would make the changes or else the business will shut down or we just go ahead and shut it down. If we don't make the necessary changes, we have to lay people off. We have to consider another business. We have to merge with another company or change. Make the changes. And when I speak of the church now, I'm not talking about theological changes. I'm not talking about moral changes. I'm talking about how there are things done in humility where we see growth. And they're happening all over the world, all throughout the church. We see religious communities popping up that are very, very faithful to the church's teachings and and liturgy and practice. And they're growing. They're getting lots of numbers. Jesus said you will know them by their fruits. I'm just saying this is just one example. So there's an addiction to power. No, because I am in charge of this thing. The dunghill. You know, I'm the king of the dunghill and I refuse to let go of my kingship. And as a result, ah, my group in the parish now is down to three people. Whereas it used to be (laughs) 200 but that's okay. I'm still the king. That's all that matters. I can write a letter to mom at Christmas time and say, hey, I'm in charge of that thing. Remember that thing? Yeah, mom, you went to it 50 years ago and it had 200 members. Now it has three, but I'm still the king. So there's an addiction to power. And when there's an addiction to power, it refuses to change. And therefore things continue to fail. It's the state of our country right now. And this is what cancel culture is all about. If you speak the truth on social media, you are shut down. You are canceled. If you speak the truth, I mean, movie stars and musical, you know, people, stars uh, come out and say, hey, this is my belief now. This is what I believe. This is how I see the world. And suddenly we never hear from them again. They're canceled Never mind the supposed suicides that are going on out there. 
And then we, oh, it was just a suicide, even though this person has like, you know, 57 friends that have committed suicide. That's weird. But it's a cancel culture. And it comes from that addiction to power. And that's exactly what they did to Jesus. We need to kill him because he challenges our earthly authority. I want to maintain my kingship of this dunghill. I think of things from history and things from culture, such as I think of the, uh, was it the priest or the sheriff? I guess it was the sheriff in the Hunchback of Notre Dame because he has a temptation towards Esmeralda. I remember her name, (laughs) the gypsy woman. It's better to kill her. Better to kill her than me deal with my temptation. Heaven forbid I deal with my issues. Maybe go to confession, receive God's grace. Uh, Maybe I need a little therapy. I don't know, whatever they had back then, you know? But no, let's kill Esmeralda. How about the Emperor Nero? I refuse to admit I have issues. Well, an emperor would never admit it. Heaven forbid he to hold on to your power at all costs. All, all of society would fall apart if the emperor admitted there was a, a crack in his armor. So what does he do? Death to the Christians. That's where it all began. The persecutions in the Roman Empire that lasted 300 years. Because he refused to admit, well, maybe I shouldn't have this much authority. Maybe I need to humble myself a little bit. There have been wonderful saintly kings and queens in the history of the church who have humbled themselves and yet retained their throne and were better at ruling than they ever were before because they gave everything over to Jesus. So, For both our Lord and our Lady, this is crucial. Jesus, in this reading, says it in very negative ways, calling them whitewashed tombs, etc. But yet, he says it in beautiful ways. One of the crowning moments of all his teachings is Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. They're also in Luke, but Matthew really spells them out. And in the Beatitudes, it's about meekness and humility and kindness and gentleness. These are also the fruits of the Spirit spoken of by St. Paul. And this is where we have true power because we control ourselves. We have self-control. This is where holiness lies. Jesus says, blessed are these people. They will go to heaven. They will reign on this earth in so many ways if they exercise self-control, if they're meek, if they're kind to others. And this is what Mary's talking about. I always, I mean, this is really the essence of the Magnificat. I always, you know, when I pray that Magnificat, I sometimes think to myself, you know, Mary is simply saying those high up will be taken down. What if they're good people that are high up? (laughs) But it's this message. It's this message that she speaks of, that we speak of here today, that addiction to power, the the pharisaical uh, positioning of oneself. Look at how great I am. God will take those down. It happens naturally. I think of St. Louis de Montfort saying, if you are devoted to Our Lady, she will conquer your enemies for you. You don't have to worry about it. And I see that again and again in my own life when people oppose me, especially when it has to do with ministry, when it has to do with truth and theology. People fall on their own. People destroy themselves, even in the secular realm. People fall. You know, when when people are, are... Moving in the wrong direction. This is the wisdom of the founding fathers. Build a society based on faith in God and it will succeed. The founding fathers predicted they lose their faith in God. It will fall. And yet we're running around like idiots right now. We're running around like chickens without their head. It's an old expression. 
trying to maintain a democratic republic and all the freedom it gives to the rest of the world because it's so strong that was literally built on God and trying to do it without God. It falls. It will fall. So here we are. To close, I remember St. John Vianney. I mean, this guy is one of the greatest saints in the history of the church, and he literally transformed the country of France after the revolution, transformed it back to Catholicism and Christianity. And yet, how did he do it? Through humility. He wasn't a good student. He barely got ordained. He went to the poorest parish. They hadn't even had a priest in a long time. He experienced failure for the first 10 years or so. They petitioned to get rid of him. They would rather have no priest than have him because he was so poor and simple. And when the petition went to the bishop, his name was on it too. (laughs) He, his whole priesthood, he kept trying to leave to go to a monastery because he said, I have to pray and do penance for my sins. This is one of the most virtuous human beings that ever lived. He constantly spoke about how sinful he was. It's funny. Mother Teresa used to do the same thing, constantly putting herself down. Not that putting yourself down is a mark of saintliness, but it's that humility saying, I'm no good without God. I need God. I need prayer. I need help. So he kept trying to leave. He kept putting himself down. Little by little, he starts reading souls. He starts curing people with the touch of his hand. His church gets packed. He's hearing confessions 18 hours a day. And the whole country of France started to talk about him. By the end of his life, so much Catholicism was returned to France because of him. And it was in great humility that I won't say he did it. God did it through him. And that's the point for you, for me, for our faith, for our lives. Let God act, get out of the way and let the Lord be your king. Let him be the master of your life. Have a great day. God bless you.